friends, Uncle Marv here with another episode of the IT Business Podcast, the podcast where we try to help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. And one of the things that has been a joy for us these last 18 months is cyber insurance, compliancy, all that good stuff. So I've got somebody on the show today that's going to hopefully shed some clarity on that and provide us some guidance and talk about some upcoming things that they have uh, going on in their company. I'm talking about Tim Golden with Compliance Risk. Tim, how are you? Hey, I'm very well, Marvin. Thank you so much for having us on here. Long-time listener, first-time talker. So <laughs> always good to, to, to yeah, have an opportunity to hang out and chat. All right. Well, it's uh, glad uh, that we were able to catch up finally. And you've been around the industry a while, and we've uh, been noticing each other. So uh, I should say the same to you, first time chatting and uh, about time, right? Yeah, it is. It is. You know, we tend to get really busy throughout life, but, you know, making these connections and having these conversations, like relationships are key for me. And being able to have an opportunity to finally speak with you one-on-one is a it's really great. Like I'm, like I said, following you around, listening to yourself, and uh, you know, building relationships is really key to me. So, yeah, glad that we can finally have an opportunity to chit chat, talk a little bit about compliance, MSP stuff, and yeah. All right. Well, let me start off with a question that probably isn't where you'd like to start, but I've had a lot of conversations lately, and it seems to just be getting more and more and more that the clients of managed service providers are starting to get more and more requirements when they go to renew their cyber insurance. Uh, And it seems as though it's a great time for us because now we don't have to keep fighting that battle where somebody else, you know, is banging the drum for us. And now we just come in and say, yeah, we can do that for you. But at the same time, some of those questionnaires have a list of products and providers, and that may not fit our stack. So we're having to deal with that. Now, in your situation, uh, how has that been for you? Have you gotten a ton of MSPs that have reached out that maybe wouldn't have reached out in the past? Yeah. So first, let me just preface this by saying we are an MSP, have been an MSP for more decades than I'd like to admit. And, you know, we kind of spun off our compliance services out of our MSP um, in regards to uh, put my MSP hat on in regards to the cybersecurity um, and li- liability cyber insurance questionnaires. We see a ton of them and we've you know been helping our clients kind of work through them. And yes, uh, we're going to see more of them. You know, cyber liability insurance took you know huge hits over the last several years. Sure, you're, you've got lots of podcasts around that. And for those that are listening, make sure you go back to Marvin's feed and look at and listen to all the cyber liability insurance stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've seen a ton of them. We've seen a bunch of the requirements. I won't get into all the gory details, but there's typically five or six that, you know, 2FA and a bunch of other things. Um, from the compliance side, um, you know, the writing is on the wall when it comes to insurance companies just now asking, do you do these five things, right? And that's kind of been, you know, until they get their their actuary tables in place and all of their stuff and their data, because insurance companies are all about data and risk management. Um, as that, you know, industry starts to mature in 
the cyberspace and the liability that goes and the risk that goes around with that, us managed service providers, um, right now it's do we have it? But where it's going to go is can you prove it? Right. And that's kind of like what we take here at Compliance Risk is let us help you as the MSP start to prove some of these things. And all starts with documentation, right? It's not written down. It doesn't exist. We'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah, cyber liability insurance for us as an MSP is shifting the focus away from us having to hard sell stuff into you don't really have much of a choice because if you want to be protected, insurance companies are going to require you doing these things. So there's a shift in that sales process for the MSP side on it's not so much of a hard sell anymore. When the doctor's office used to say, oh, insurance will just cover that. Not so much anymore, and mm-hmm. probably not so much going forward. So thank you, Cyber Liability Insurance, for making the MSP's sales job a little easier. Yeah, yeah. Now, you mentioned earlier, and I will use this to kind of introduce you a little bit more, that you are an MSP as well as doing compliance risks. So let's go back to that. And for some of the listeners who may not know your story, uh, sure. because this is a spinoff, but let's talk about how this mm-hmm. became a spinoff and and you know, I don't know if you want to mention how many decades you've been doing this, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I started in the IT field, like building first computers way back in elementary school and middle school, but we won't go that far back. We'll just talk about how it relates to you and your audience today, right? So, so we have been providing technology services, and I say we—that's Vital Tech Services. That's our MSP. We've been providing uh, technology services to a bunch of different federal branches and federal contracts since 2005, six, seven timeframe. And, you know, one of the things way back then, there was a little one line in a contract that said, you will adhere to NIST 853 special publication. So NIST, National Institute, SP, special publication, 853 is a list of roles that NIST puts out as guidance for doing business with the federal government, as well as everything else. For those of you that know NIST and know what 853 is, it's a baseline security. So we got this contract. It had this little line in it and said, you you got to do this. Well, things didn't exist way back then. We couldn't just Google incident response plan because it didn't exist. We couldn't just Google GRC platform, because they didn't exist. Everything was basically Excel if you were lucky. Right. So over the years, working through Vital Tech and working through all of this FedRAMP and other big terms in in the compliance space with the federal government, we stumbled a lot in the beginning. And we learned a lot. And we've continued to learn and grow in what works well for IT service providers. When it comes to, at the end of the day protecting our nation and protecting our quote-unquote trade secrets so that they don't see an F-16 showing up in some foreign country, right? And what I personally noticed was things like CMMC keep showing up, you know, all this other great things in the industry and this shift and this pivot in the last probably three to five years in the big scary word compliance, right? And so... I'd get on a call, I'd talk to an MSP and I'd be like, hey, here's what I fumbled through for 17 plus years. Here's the lesson I learned when it comes to control number one, two, three. 
and having these conversations with MSPs to just kind of educate them on our journey and the pitfalls that we faced along the way. What's spun out of that is compliancerisk.io. And we focus mainly on helping MSPs and building the compliance practice within your MSP. So yeah, it's been it's been an interesting pivot for us. I mean, yes, we still have our MSP. We're doing quite well over there. But I want to take this like 17 years of knowledge or however many decades of knowledge that we've stumbled through and teach the next generation so that at some point I don't have to. Right, right. So let me ask you a quick question going back. Uh, you said that you were doing a lot of stuff for government entities and such. How did that get to be your focus in the beginning? And well, I'll let you answer that first, and then I'll see how my part two goes. Yeah, I mean, so, um, you know, our parent corporation has been doing government work for 40 plus years um, with various entities across the federal government. And, you know, one of the contracts that we that we bid on that we ended up winning you know, kind of had, like I said, had that line, you will adhere to NIST 853 version three back then, like version five that we're on. So yeah, it was sort of a more corporate shift in, this is the work that we've always been doing. We're going to continue to do it. But by the way, you're going to do this technology piece now too. And, you know, as, as a, as a company, we didn't, Quite know what that meant. And so I spent the better part of six to nine months reading, writing, and interpreting what that all meant, and then protecting our corporate posture to align with those things along the way and continue to align and grow. All right. Because I wanted to find out most of us as MSPs don't get that luxury of having you know a client that has to go through that. We've got, you know, Maybe some commercial product uh, clients, you know, doctors, lawyers who don't want to do HIPAA. We've got <laughs> lawyers who don't want to do anything because they say, well, we'll just go to court if we have to. Uh, it seems nice that you had a contract that said you had to do these things early on. So, uh, yeah, you know, we made the corporate decision way back then. Like it could have been in, in the GRC, Governance, Risk and Compliance uh, space. We talk a lot about scope and boundary. What's in scope? What's in the boundary? What are we securing? What are we controlling? Blah, blah, blah. We talk a lot about scope and boundary. And we made a corporate decision back then to either look at the one little server with the one little thing and make that it, or look at the company as a whole and move the company as a whole into these frameworks, into this risk management, into all of this stuff. And you know, it better positioned us long-term to take the whole company Yes, there was, a, you know, there was some struggles, there was some financial impact, there was some cha- business process changes that had to happen. And those things that can be scary, but they don't have to be. So we decided to make our scope and boundary everything because we knew it was coming. And here we are. It is here. It's been here for a while. And, you know, specifically for the MSPs, when you are speaking with a client, Yes, the cyber liability insurance is going to help dictate that. But there's, I don't know, last count, I think 42, 46, don't hold me on the number because it'll change in a week, um, states with privacy laws, right? California Privacy Protect, like we know about the California one, the Louisiana one, the Utah one, like every state almost in the union right now has some sort of privacy implication, which means 
there's a compliance component to that privacy. How are you handling personal identifying data, which applies to almost every business? Interesting because there's been a shift with what is considered PII and what is considered sensitive PII. Email address is now considered personal identifying information. And if you're a business and you have email addresses, you should probably protect that. Right. So at, for an MSP, whether your clients realize it or not, the stuff does apply, and it's only going to get more and more applicable as as the industry and as stuff starts to grow. Yeah. I, I don't want to dig too deep into the, the state stuff, but you're right. That many states, uh, eventually, I think every state will have something. But I know here in Florida, we've got it. And the problem is most businesses don't know it. And part of the problem I'm finding is trying to educate them on, listen, we got to do this not just because ransomware is out there, but this is a law (laughs) that this stuff has to be protected. And uh, it'll be interesting to see the nuances. And most of my clients are attorneys, so, you know, they think they can argue everything. Of course they can. And you know what? Let them argue it, right? So you are correct it's an education, it's an awareness challenge, right? And that's the, like, we use the term compliance a lot. Compliance doesn't necessarily equate to security, right? But the concepts of being able to explain the risk that that business faces is really, like, for us as an MSP and for me as a compliance expert, like, being able to explain that business risk to potential clients is the real is the real struggle, right? Because... They just want to run their business. And as you said, I'm a lawyer. I'll just fight it in court. Well, yeah, but how many countless number of man hours is it going to take you and your assistants and your team to build a case against that, right? We talk a lot about, attorneys can relate, defensibility. Yes. And if you're not doing anything to protect your cyber stuff and your cyber risk, you're not building defensibility into your business, into your practice, and when you sit up in front of that judge, you've you know, wasted hundreds and hundreds of man hours or human hours in putting a case together. You probably don't have a lot of defensibility. Yeah. So, oh, that's a joy. Now, you're doing that, but with MSPs. So let me go back and first ask, even though you had been struggling yourself and working with it with your MSP, what was it that made you decide to do this pivot and start helping other MSPs? Well, truth be told, like my my sort of goal in life is to take everything that I've stumbled through and teach the next generation. So that's the short answer. Okay. But the long answer is it's here, it's now MSPs providing services to clients and help mitigating that risk for their clients and building that defensibility for their clients. Like MSPs just don't know where to go. They don't know where to start. They hear the term CMMC and they get marketed to by the big agencies that we all know and love or hate. Make millions on the new CMMC thing and here's a tool. Or, great, I have another tool that can do a thing, right? And so we are constantly getting things spewed at us, tools specifically for that matter, on, and yeah, I have a tool now. So (laughs) tools are great in the right hands. So we started with the people part, right? Teaching you to fish part, the peer group part, 
right? Being able to bring like-minded individuals that want to learn and grow and build out their compliance practice and learn from each other, share our struggles and grow together. So we built that peer group to help with that, specifically focused on risk and compliance. Now, this this is kind of a shift, and I'll be honest with you. It doesn't sound like what I'm hearing from a lot of the other companies in the industry, uh, some of which I'm using, because a lot of them are just, well, here's a tool to scan. Here's a tool to give your end users so they, they can check off the education awareness box. And here are some templates. Go. <laughs> yeah. So we focus on, you hear the term a lot, people process policy for us, people process technology, right? And so the human aspect, we've never done anything without the champion, the human, the person that can make this the thing for the MSP to bring it forward. That's why our peer group is really helpful because we help with the people part. We teach the people part so that then in your MSP, you can build out the process and then find the tool. I like to use the sort of, and I, I know I'm sort of generalizing, stereotypical, whatever. I like to use the Amish carpenter as an example, right? So I have in my garage, the table saw, the band saw, the skill saw, hammer. I have all, all these amazing tools to build amazing things. Have you ever seen a birdhouse that I've made? It's crooked. It's unsquare. It's horrible. Even though I have the best tools in the industry, I don't have the people, me, or the process, how to, to build an amazing birdhouse. But I'll tell you what, if you hand a rock to the Amish carpenter, he's going to build you the best sleigh bed that will last decades, centuries, with just a rock. So I liken it to that, like a tool is only as good as the person yielding it. And if you don't have the people and you don't have the process, don't even bother with the tool. Get your house in order first. All right. So now let's dig into compliance risk, the company. So I yeah. mentioned, you know, tell me a little bit, you know, we talked about how it started and stuff, but what makes, what makes compliance risk different? Certainly. So obviously we talked about our years of experience and I say me a lot. I mean, my team, I have experts in ISO, experts in HIPAA. I, of course, am an expert in NIST and CMMC, uh, experts in SOC. So it's our team, right? Not only is our team well-versed and have years of experience in the risk management frameworks that are out there, but it's also us as an organization, right? We look at this kind of core values of Act, right? Accountability, care, and trust. You know, under accountability, like we take responsibility for our actions, integrity first, you know, detail oriented, we're decisive and forward thinking. Care, we we treat you like I would treat my mom, right? And we treat our employees just as well, if not better, right? So we care about not just you as the as the company, but you as the individual. Right. And that comes through during our peer group. It comes through during our Slack conversations or one on one meetings that we have and trust. At the end of the day, when we're standing in front of the pearly gates or wherever it is that we just, that, you know, you go, all we have left is our integrity, how we got there. Right. 
being able to trust in what we do, being able to trust in ourselves, being able to give our staff and our employees the autonomy to do the things that they need to do and trust that they're going to do that. So act. Accountability, care, and trust is who we are at our core. So if people go to your website, and I'll put that in the show notes as well, but compliancerisk.io, I know that most of us, and and when I say most of us, most MSPs who are just looking around for the first time, we're going to look at the site, and we're going to see a tab that says compliance as a service. Oh, We're going to go there first because that's what we – that's what we've been taught in the industry recently. Well, just get yourself a compliance as a service, you know, program going and you'll be good. Mm-hmm. But when I go to your page, it sounds a little different than the others. And I mentioned, you know, what the other stuff does. Uh, but one of the things that you have in there is say, let us fish for you. Mm-hmm. So in, in talking with you previously and looking around at your stuff, let's talk about this fish model because uh, it, it sounds – now I did go to church and I was younger, so I, I, I there's a little there's a little churchy fishiness in there that I oh, can yeah. understand. Uh, yeah, you know, teach a man to fish, that sort of thing. So tell us about that model for you guys. Exactly, and you know, and you're right. There is a little churchy model in there. Yes, I had you know a strong Christian background and Catholic upgrowing, and you know whatever. No, this is not about religion, but there's some good parallels there, right? So we, like I said, we we are with the mindset we teach you to fish. We fish with you, and now we have a boat to go fishing in. And sort of the premise behind that is it's very easy for an MSP to understand. Like, we teach you to fish. Seems pretty easy. We're going to help you understand the complexities of compliance. We fish with you, compliance as a service, which means, to answer your question specifically, we partner alongside you and your client that has a specific compliance need some kind of risk management framework, whether it's CMMC, whether it's HIPAA, whether it's SOC, we're going to partner with you because we're the experts and have the history in those risk management frameworks and come alongside you in this three-legged stool. The client needing the thing, you as the MSP as the technical implementer because you're really good at implementing stuff. Right, rolling out EDR, you're really good at that kind of technical implementation of stuff. Like, I'm a geek too. Like, I roll out stuff really well. Like, yay. But we're going to be the compliance division, the compliance leg of that three legged stool where it's here's the requirement. Here's what they're legally bound to do. Here's the controls within that requirement. Here's how to meet some of those controls, whether you're meeting them or you're not. Red, yellow, green, stoplight, gap analysis, if you want to use those terms. I hate the term gap analysis, but we partner with you. We fish with you, right? So we come alongside and help you and your clients achieve the goals that your clients need. Very easy. One, two, three. Pick a framework. Begin an analysis and then develop some ongoing compliance um, framework, some ongoing maintenance around the compliance needs of your clients. Now, this all sounds good, but the thing that always trips us up is documentation. So, the you know, when I've looked at some programs, and I've got a couple of things that I like and I don't like, but the hardest thing is documenting everything from, you know, the risk analysis to the incident response plan and, you know, your technology data use 
policy. I don't know. I'm just throwing out things because I don't know if those are all the right terms. But, um, you know, the biggest problem is documenting all of this. And I know that you guys have been working on that. And that's a big part of this. So so let's talk about that. Sure. So I'm always of the mindset of if it's not written down, it doesn't exist. But yet you're still held accountable, right? (laughs) As MSPs, we're really good at... At like, oh, got to roll out 2FA to this client. Click, click, clickety, click. Great. Oh, got to roll out 2FA to that client. Click, click, clickety, click. Oh, wait, I forgot the third click. And so, you know, the documentation piece gains you as the MSP. Not only does it gain you operational efficiencies and help your techs to have, you know, documented repeatable processes, these buzzwords that you hear all the time, but from a compliance standpoint, Having things like an incident response plan, a password policy, uh, acceptable use, like a short baseline of five or six kind of documents that you do for and with your clients, having that in place is going to better position your clients and, by the way, give you a key differentiator in your business from the other MSPs down the street that are not doing this. It's going to prep you to building that defensibility in your client's business, right? Polygon, which is our SaaS uh, policy documentation as a service, which literally is launching tomorrow. We're in beta right now, um, but we'll be in beta for, you know, probably for the first uh, several weeks, but we are launching that. Um, You'll be able to find that on our website at compliancerisk.io. But Polygon brings that whole documentation life cycle and a SaaS-based, multi-tenant, two-factor auth and encrypted, blah, 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 all that great stuff uh, in a SaaS-based application for your MSP and literally walking you and your clients through a process, remember people, process policy, walking you through a process of having documentation for your clients in place so that when the insurance company asks for your incident response plan, you can just share a discrete link with them that they have to either log in or it expires at some time. The insurance company can see that your policies have been not only documented, have been authorized by some executive at the company, and users have been trained and adopted these policies, and that there's a revision cadence of when these things were looked at quarterly, annually, however. like We bring that entire automation to the document life cycle within, within Polygon. So compliance as a service, documentation as a service, those are going to be two separate things or are they basically hand in hand? No, they are two completely separate things, right? Compliance as a service. I hate to use the term gap analysis because it's not a gap analysis. That is an in-depth review of the regulations controls for those regulations for your client. Documentation as a service is literally documentation as a service. Once you're in the platform, either BYOD, bring your own documents and manage them all within the platform. Use one of our curated libraries, because I've been writing policy for 17 years and we have a plethora of uh, I hate to use the word template because it's basically a way for you to get going on some of this. And even better, you as the MSP, 
you're going to have the same password policy, most likely, for every client. So why not write it once, build your own library of your five or 10 or 500 baseline documents that you can then, with a click of a button, push to all your clients. Write once, use many. All inside Polygon's application. All right. So you said the word template, and I was going to try not to use it, <laughs> but I'm going to use it. Okay. Because I, I've I've dealt with some templates before, and they don't they haven't been as easy as click for each client. There's been obviously you have to go through and peruse and make sure that the wording is right. And for instance, I've tried to write a few and going in and doing the for the instant incident response plan. You know who is responsible for each step. In some companies, it's one person. In other companies, it's two people or three people. So I'm just going to ask this, and you can tell me, you know, I won't know unless I sign up, or you can give me an answer. But does that process allow for those types of idiosyncrasies? In those? Absolutely. Okay. So one of the things that we introduced right out of the gate is the concept of audiences, right? So so a document has multiple different audiences across across the, the life cycle, right? The first audience is who at the company is approving this? Who are the reviewers? Does the legal team need to review it? And yes, they should. So we have the, the audiences for reviewing, ownership, um, legal. We, you know, essentially we have five different buckets for an audience and you could put people in and out of audiences all day long. And those are the people that not only get notified when there is an action on their part, but also that information is used to populate things like who is the IR manager? Who's the business owner? Who's the document owner? Who is the intended audience for the document? So we created the concept of audiences to be managed in the platform, ease of use, you add your client, you create the audience, let's say the reviewer, and you can do this per document, by the way, or globally, by the way. You create an audience called reviewers, and anytime you put a policy out there and you want somebody at the organization to review it before you publish it, you just click the audience that you want, poof, off and running, they get a notification, hey, we have something to review. Same thing with the end user and the training. We have an audience called Adopters, who's going to be the people that need to re actually read and sign off on this thing? Well, those are the adopters, those are the people that need that will get a notification saying, just like your security training platform, they get a notification. Hey, you have a new policy that you need to go read, sign, and adopt as part of our corporate culture. So we introduced the concept of audiences to deal with who in this thing is supposed to do what, where, and when. All right. So glad I asked that question and glad you answered. Thank you. <laughs> so just to let listeners know, and you had mentioned that this is releasing tomorrow, we are recording this on Thursday, January 19th, which means that this will officially launch on Friday the 20th. However, yeah. based on when you listen to this, you know, you may be behind the eight ball or whatever, but is this going to be available to everybody uh, starting the 20th or is you said it's going to be in beta, so yeah. So, so this is a this is the the concept of beta is really interesting, right? 
nothing is ever really done, but at some point you need to, you know, rip the Band-Aid off and call it beta, call it alpha, call it version one or whatever. I've been developing software for 20 plus years. I like to have a good solid base of users to work out some of the initial bugs, right? You hear a lot in the SaaS space, MVP, minimal viable product, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Like buzzwords are buzzwords. I, they, most of them drive me crazy. We'll probably be in beta for the first year, even though we might have hundreds and hundreds of clients signed up. Because at some point, you need to go from beta to alpha to version one and so on and so on and so forth. But having this sort of beta version between now and at least the next, you know, four to six weeks sort of sets the precedence of we are not Amazon.com. <laughs> we are not a fully polished multi-billion dollar company yet. We'll get there. But sort of sets the level level sets with, hey, we're in beta right now. We'd like your feedback. Bear with us as we, you know, like all SaaS companies, even some that have been around four or five or six years. Like for me, it goes back to our core value of trust, right? We're not coming off as the Amazon.com where we have everything together. We are in beta mode and we're giving you an opportunity as an early adopter to come into beta mode, get special pricing, and have direct feedback to me and our development team to be able to for so that we can be agile enough to respond to those requests. But January 20th, I'm literally updating the web page as we speak, or not during our conversation. Say not right but, this minute, but <laughs> yes, but I'm literally updating the website to put the button to the site where you can go sign up today, this afternoon. Okay. So, so people like me, so people like me who aren't exactly signed up with compliance risk right now, we can actually go ahead and get in on that and and be part of that program. Because I was going to ask, literally, right now, right this very second, probably until six or seven o'clock tonight, there's an early adopters program that gets you on the list. Okay, so you can do that today, right right. now. Now, yeah, I see that. There's no cost, and there's like no commitment. It's You're showing your intent that you want to get in, and we're going to uh, provide special pricing and early adopter founder and all that fun stuff. So So it's commitment from you, but it's also a more commitment from us that we understand you want, we'd like to use this, and we're going to ensure that you can get in. Now, I saw on there, because the button is up, even though we're we're still recording, uh, now this is just for Polycon, so... Is this something where I'm already doing stuff? I'd like to use Polycon separate for a while, or would you encourage people to do the compliance as a service as well? I just so had- I would always encourage every MSP to start with the people. If you don't have the internal resources to support any given thing in your MSP, don't do it without the human first. That goes for EDR, XDR, Soxy, whatever. Like even my stuff aside, if you don't have the in-house knowledge, you should start with the peer group. Okay. And this is literally how we've progressed as compliance risk. We started with the peer group. And what we were hearing from the, um, you know, I won't tell you, it's over 50, but under 100 MSPs to date in less than 18 months. 
we've been hearing from the people that are in our peer group, like, this is great, Tim. I'm learning a lot, but now I have a client with a specific need. Great. Compliance as a service. Let's move your people that you've learned into a process. Compliance as a service. And work through that. Always start with the people, back it up with the process, and use a tool to help facilitate the whole thing down the road so you gain efficiencies. People, process, policy. All right. So if you go to the website, folks, you'll see right on the very front there the early adopter sign up for Polygon. Uh, if somebody wants to be a part of the peer group, how does that happen? Yep. You can join right now on the website. In fact, Marvin, when we're done here, I'll give you a coupon code so you can post in the show notes. People that sign up through Marvin with the coupon code will save 10%. I'll, I'll give that to you so you have that. Okay. And uh, yeah, you know, we want to try to eliminate the barrier to entry. It's very easy. Website, click on join now, provide some details, sign up. Bring your entire MSP for one low monthly price. Yes, you'll get a discount because you're a Marvin show. We love discounts. <laughs> we we really want to take that opportunity for you to bring your whole MSP and come join us in our weekly peer group every Thursday at 3 Eastern time. All kinds of resources, courses, blah. All, you can read it. I'm not going right. to insult your intelligence. So for people, if, uh, if you've heard this and obviously you – can go to the website and sign up if, if you want to know where Tim is going to be. Uh, there's some upcoming stuff. So I had listed here, you're going to be in Texas for the Right of Boom conference yeah. uh, coming yeah. up what, February 22nd through the 24th. Yes, we're very excited to be a vendor. Long-time uh, attender of IT conferences, never a vendor. So going to the dark side you're or on the, the other, great side. The other side, yep. Uh, now you're also, and if 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 I get this published out ahead of time, people might notice you're going to be on Tech Bar tonight with Ray Orsini. I am Tech Bar tonight. Uh, partner first next week. You, you today. I am running the gamut over the course of the next month leading up to write a boom. Feels like you're doing the uh, the night show. You know, circuit. You know, when they come out with a movie, and you're hitting all the all the Jimmies and the Daves and the late nights. <laughs> Trying to, you know, and here's like again back to that trust and accountability of our core values, right? Being able to have that balance between building out and helping MSPs under their compliance, and then continue to you know do work in our MSP and making that shift between the two, like. My day job is my day job, and that's key, and that's important, and we're still doing that. So, yes, the night show, Tech Bar, 6.30 at night, quote, quote, after hours. Yes, we are during the afternoon today, so I'm taking my lunch hour early for us to be able to have this opportunity. All right. As long as you don't have to take a nap to get ready for tonight. Yeah, well, <laughs> I did just fly in from family vacation and didn't get back till, oh, almost 11 o'clock last night. Oh. Uh, can I ask where the vacation was? Yeah. So, you know, family is very important to us. My in-laws are celebrating their 50th uh, anniversary this year. In fact, this month. So we took the whole family. I say we, like the whole family, went to uh, went to Mexico, all 10 of us for five days oh. to kind of give them the gift of family and time and, you know, for their 50th anniversary. So, nice. I asked that because we just committed to do a cruise. And when I say we, it's me and the wife. 
Nice. She has been bugging me for years to do a cruise and she wants to do a long one. And I'm like, I, I just can't do a long cruise. I, I don't want to be stuck on mm-hmm. a boat with no way to get off if I, I want to. But we had a client that yesterday sent us an email because they have extra cabins and they asked, would you like to go? And it's completely paid for. And it's a three day Caribbean cruise. So wow, that's uh, awesome. I uh, decided rather than saying no, I would give the wife the option and she, you know, you know what she said, of course we're going. Of course. <laughs> of course. So I will be in the Caribbean next weekend. So looking forward to that. That's amazing. Yeah. Cruises are interesting. You're right though. On the whole, I feel with you with like being stuck on a boat, no matter how big it is, feels restricting. That being said, we just came back from an all-inclusive resort and never left the resort. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's a little more freedom in feeling like you can walk around a place that's maybe the same size of some of these major cruise ships. Yeah, but but you have the option to leave the resort, you know. That's yeah. maybe a little different. So you can, you know, you can get a Uber or something and at least wander around, but on a boat you can't just, hey, give me a give me one of those life rafts and let me go, you know, wander. <laughs> Well, you hopefully you enjoyed it sounds. I've never, well, I can't say I've never been on one. I've been on one that was like 24 hours, so it didn't count. Yeah. All right. Well, Tim, I want to say thank you for joining up with me and saying yes to being on the show. Again, like you said earlier, it's about time, and we will definitely have to talk. And uh, I made a note here to get that coupon code for, from you, and we'll send everybody over to compliancerisk.io especially to get in on the Polycom documentation as a service. We need it. Yeah. Polygon will certainly help with that gaining uh, operation efficiencies for your MSP. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, Tim, let, uh, me just, let me just finish by saying thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, you know, as Marvin said, for those of you that are, are interested, you can find everything about us at compliancerisk.io, YouTube, Vimeo, all that fun stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, Marvin, I'll have a coupon code ready for you in the show notes. Uh, Tim Golden, founder of CompliancerIsk.io. All right. Thank you very much for being on the show. And ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back with another show soon. That's it for now. Until next time, holla. Recording stopped. All right, Marvin. 